The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. As Jesus drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging, and hearing a multitude going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. The Gospel of the Lord. Most of the <clears throat> most of the commentators um, and even the church fathers, they seem to well. There's a bit of debate, but they reconcile, generally speaking, this healing with the healing of Bartimaeus, uh, with some differences about either drawing near to or leaving Jericho. But that reconciliation has been done by some of the church fathers, like Saint Augustine. Some modern commentators as well have kind of drawn them together, which is interesting to look at. Uh, I won't kind of go into that today. I think it's more just um, the kind of process by which this blind man goes through in coming to Christ uh, that we can we can look at, and we can look at two different two different aspects of it. One is how his prayer seems to change, or at least the things that he is asking for. And also is that those things change according to his being drawn nearer and nearer to Jesus Christ. And so initially, as he is there sitting by the roadside begging, we can see that this is sometimes, this might represent uh, at least like prayers of petition, or at least a praying for what we might need in the immediate, right? Lord, we need these things, um, and our prayers of petition are important, and we should ask the Lord for these things, for the things that we need, the material things that we need. We pray to the Lord and ask that in His providence that these things will be provided. And the Lord, in His goodness, He always does provide us our necessities. His providence always meets us in this life, um, and He provides us with what we do need, but then he also goes beyond. And that's the beauty of what we see. One of the beautiful things we see in the gospel today is that while he is sitting by the side of the way begging, he starts to hear this movement and this crowd coming past. And when he inquires from this crowd, they tell him that Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And so initially, this crowd that is surrounding the Lord they are part of the instrument by which this man is brought closer to Christ, at least by desire. And so when they tell him about the Lord, he then changes his prayer slightly. When he knows that Jesus is near, his prayer is no longer, or what he is saying is no longer simply begging. 
Now he starts to direct his prayer more personally to Jesus Christ and he prays for mercy. It's more general, it's more to do with himself. It's not simply the material needs, but now even spiritual needs, things for the interior, forgiveness of sin, mercy on his sickness and his illness, on his blindness, that the Lord will take this blindness from him. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. But now there's an interesting shift. This multitude that initially was helping him to come towards Jesus, now they tell him to be quiet. Now they tell him to be silent. One of the commentators, I thought this was very interesting, and it is also very true by experience, which is that those members, those of us who are in the church, are sinners, right? The church is a collection of sinners. And at times we will both help and also unfortunately hinder people from coming to Christ. Those within the church will at times help to draw people closer to the Lord. And at other times we might be one of those, unfortunately, who might maybe do something that stops someone from coming closer to Jesus Christ. Often as a priest, I've met people when they've left the church, and sometimes I think it's just an excuse, but sometimes they say that they were very hurt by someone in the church and so that they decided to leave. Someone said something unkind. They saw some kind of bad uh, activity or whatever it was or some sinfulness, and they decided that no, the church was not for them, they were leaving. I don't understand the logic of leaving, but I do understand that they can be hurt by those who are sometimes within the church. Sometimes people are surprised to find sinners in the church. We should never be surprised to find sinners in the church. That would be like being surprised to find sick people in a hospital. It's not the right type of expectation that we should have. The church is full of sinners, yes. The church is full of those who will fail, yes. Is that an excuse for us to then leave the church? Absolutely not. Why? Because we are sinners too. <laughs> we have to come to the Lord. We have to be in the church. We have to persevere despite what we see. Why? Because we are not here essentially for the others, although they are our neighbor and we have to love them and draw them. But first and foremost, we are here for Christ. And so what we see from this blind man is that even when they tell him to be silent, he doesn't then back off, but simply cries out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. There's a necessary then perseverance through that type of a trial, through the ones, through as I suppose, meeting the resistance of the ones who should not be making or creating any resistance. There is a, a book, it's called The Friendship of Christ by Robert Benson. And in that, Benson speaks about this type of reality, especially for those coming into the church, is that initially, he says, the Lord overwhelms them with the beauty of the church. They see all of its wonder. They love its liturgies. They love its prayers. They love all of the things that take place in the church. But after a period of time, the Lord needs to purify that entrance, that faith, and make it deeper. And so what happens, as he says, is that they begin to notice the faults and the failings. They begin to notice when these things start to decline, when the church isn't living up to the standards that initially they thought were so magnificent. And I think Benson is right because he says that it is a necessary purification, one that purifies the intention for why someone has come into the church and also the acknowledgement that we are in the midst of those and ourselves who are going through a purification and are not yet perfect.
And so the human elements that make up the church on earth, there will be failings, there will be, in a certain sense, disappointment with what we might find, but that is no reason to leave. And so in part of our depth then, in the moving towards Christ, in that constant searching to be united with him more intimately, we simply cry out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And then Jesus stops. And now we will see another change in the prayer or in the speaking of this blind man. Jesus stops and commands him to be brought to him. And all of this time, the Lord is not speaking to the blind man directly. He is speaking through others, through testimony. And that's how we hear about the Lord. That's how we hear about Jesus. We hear about him through the testimony that comes to us through the scriptures, but also through the witness of the church and those who have already found Christ. And then also we then form part of those who give testimony to Jesus to others. And Jesus stops, commands him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him. And so now again, the prayer changes. It is even deeper. Initially, it was begging. Then it was a cry for mercy. Now this blind man is speaking directly to Jesus, and Jesus is speaking directly to him. It's a beautiful image, if you will, of what it is to progress through the life of prayer, from something that is more superficial to something that is deep and intimate. And the Lord says, what do you want me to do for you? The beauty of the Lord. When you get down to essentially meeting the Lord and encountering him, he is still always the humble servant. What do you want me to do for you? This beautiful Savior, this humble Savior, he's not demanding anything of this blind man. He doesn't say, go and do this or go and do that. What do you want me to do for you? Such profound words. I think we could meditate on that question for so long, just what it tells us about Jesus and his love for souls. And now this blind man's prayer has changed and he says, Lord, let me receive my sight. A beautiful example of a desire and a prayer for perfect faith, for faith that then sees. We see the Lord by faith, not yet by vision in this life, but truly come to know the Lord by faith in this life. And the Lord says, receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. The healing of sight comes through hearing, comes through hearing, because the gospel comes through hearing. The Lord doesn't touch his eyes. He simply says, receive your sight. By his words, then this sight is communicated to this blind man in the same way that our faith is communicated to us by the scriptures, by the word. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight the immediacy of the power of God's word, immediately effective as it always is. In the beginning when God created all things, he simply spoke and it came into existence. And then here as well, when the Lord says, receive your sight, immediately he sees. And the effect in him is not just simply to rejoice in the physical healing, but to rejoice even more in this faith that has been given to him to rejoice in the interior transformation that has taken place in his soul. And so he follows the Lord. He's left completely free, 
but in his freedom he decides to unite himself to Jesus Christ. A beautiful example of what it is to kind of come to that unitive way of prayer, where the soul is completely free, and in that freedom, both God's will and the will of the soul are aligned because the soul aligns itself by God's grace with his will perfectly. And then he follows him, glorifying God. A beautiful example in a simple, in a simple few words of what the Christian life should be, following Christ and giving glory to God. That should be what we strive to do because all of us have been drawn to the Lord in a very similar way. All of us have received from him the gift of faith by which we can then see and know God. And so for us, it is to follow the example of this blind man, to rejoice in what the Lord has done in us, to follow him, and then by our life to give glory to God. Amen.